Hey man, thanks for sounding Orphan Entertainment. I'm the far out host Christopher, and with me is one swinging chick, Lydia. Like, totally. You are one big stud, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to comment on Far Out Stud, but you, you got there first. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second movie. I think the second movie we've watched that's in this sort of era of the sort of beatnik swing. I don't know what you call it. And I just, I love listening to. I, I just want to know, did people really talk like that? <laughs> well, they must have because it's in the movies, but it does seem a little pre-Valley Girl to me. I didn't really think about that, but you're right. Valley Girl is sort of the... What with the '80s version of like this, totally of the, of, man <laughs> of the beatnik of the beatnik talk, yeah. A little bit more energy, but the same uh, tax on the end in the beginning, mm-hmm. <laughs> like and man. <laughs> well, it's wonderful to talk with you again, Lydia. I want to thank everyone for downloading this fantastic episode. I hope that it's going to be a fantastic episode. Anyway, that oh, should okay. probably be something I should say <laughs> at the end of the episode. <laughs> Just remind everybody that you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or Google Play. We also have a YouTube channel where you can go and watch the films that we cover here on Orphan Entertainment. And we have a Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and search for Orphaned Entertainment. And you can join their group there and, and comment if you have any feedback or suggestions or anything like that. And you can also email us at orphanentertainment at gmail.com. That is all our contact information. Hopefully you guys found us through one of those means. And if you did, thank you very much. With that, we're going to take a short break, listen to another five-minute mystery and a promo for another fine podcast. And when we get back, we're going to talk about 1960s The Wild Ride. Another five-minute mystery. Mr. Minton, how are you? Well, hello, Joe. You're going to take a nice Turkish bath in the steam room, Mr. Minton? Yeah. Look at that fat, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's a towel. Uh, you like a massage after me? No, maybe? no, I haven't time. Say, is old man Wallace in there getting steam? I said I'd meet him. Yeah, yeah, he must be plenty hot by now. There's five or six customers in there. Oh, I'll open the door for you, Mr. Minton. Oh, thanks, Joe. Uh, call me in ten minutes. Sure, sure. Mr. Turner said I should call him in 15 minutes. Mr. Wallace said I... What's the matter? Steam pipe broke, maybe? Somebody getting burnt? What's the matter in there? You got trouble? Who screamed? The poor man Wallace has just been stabbed to death. He's been stabbed in the back. Well, George, you find anything? Uh, There's still a lot of steam in that room, Chief, but I searched it thoroughly. There's no knife anywhere. Ceiling, floor, walls... And yet Wallace was stabbed. There's no doubt about it. And what's worse, the room was so thick with steam, no one saw the murderer do it. Uh, What about the men that were in there? Uh, I searched them thoroughly, Chief. Nothing but this collection of towels. Uh, Joe, uh, did you see anyone go into that steam room with anything but a towel in his hands? You were standing right here at the door all the time. No, sir, Chief. Just towels and maybe a toothbrush. Toothbrush? Yeah, toothbrush with a little black case. After the murder, Mr. Minter handed it to me as he came out of the steam room and 
told me to put it in his locker, but I didn't have time. Uh, here it is, right uh, here. Let's see. Uh, toothbrush, all right. Good solid plastic tube with a top to put it in. You couldn't stab a man. Wait a minute. This holder. George, quick. Get Minden in here. Right. I'm going to look in that steam room once more, but now I know what I'm looking for. Uh, Mr. Minden, would you please get a robe on? The chief would like to see you in here a minute. Well, I'm glad to talk to the chief any time, but I'm sure I've told him all I know about this thing. Uh, here's the chief now. Oh, hello, Mr. Minden. Just a couple of questions more. Is this your toothbrush and case? What? Why, Joe, I, I thought I told you... It to... is yours, and you had it with you in that steam room when Wallace was killed. Minden, I'm arresting you for the murder of James Wallace. Do you know how Minton killed James Wallace in the steam room of a Turkish bath? The chief will explain his deductions in just a moment. In the meantime... Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Down Place is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling, and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. The man played 21 seasons in Major League Baseball, and for my money, he's still the home run king. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Down Place can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com I thought this podcast was about Hammer and Hank Aaron. 1951 Down Place, the home of Hammer Films discussion. to tell you how James Wallace was killed. The method used was most unusual. When we think of stabbing, we think of knives. But no ordinary knife killed James Wallace. It was a disappearing knife. Ah, uh, how could a knife disappear, Chief? It's impossible. Not if a knife were made of dry ice. Minton's toothbrush holder was a plastic mold in the shape of a dagger. In it, he carried into that steam room a dagger made of dry ice, withdrew it from the mold at the proper moment, and stabbed Wallace. He counted on it dissolving in the steam before it was discovered. I found a piece of it giving off its own form of steam in one corner of the steam room. Minturn killed Wallace and almost got away with a perfect crime if the murder weapon had disappeared.
All right, The Wild Ride, like I said, was from 1960. It was directed by Harvey Berman. He was a high school drama teacher who went to the uh, UCLA Drama School with some friends of producer of the film, Roger Corman. This will be Berman's only directing credit. He produced a couple of other films, including a 1999 re-release of this film under the title of Velocity. Uh, well, my husband asked me today if they had remade this movie, and I said, not that I knew of, but that is good to know. Yeah. I'll tell him yes and make him watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that version had additional scenes filmed with a Jack Nicholson impersonator playing an older version of his Johnny Varen character and making the entirety of the original film a flashback. Now, most of the cast and crew of The Wild Ride were some of Berman's high school drama class students. Corman sent along some experienced Hollywood folks to help out, and star Jack Nicholson was one of them. Jack Nicholson made his film debut, and the Corman produced The Crybaby Killer in 1958, and this started a decade-long collaboration with Nicholson and Corman. This is also the second uh, film that we've discussed that had the Nicholson-Corman pairing uh, if you remember going back to The Terror. There is no girl! Back in, I think, it might have been our first or second year. It was about four years ago, I think, we covered that. Yeah, he appeared in many of Corman's films, including The Little Shop of Horrors, The Raven, and, like I was saying, The Terror. There is no girl! By the late 60s, Nicholson thought his acting career was going nowhere, so he turned to writing and directing. His first success at writing was a screenplay for the 1967 film The Trip, which would be directed by Corman, and it starred Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper. The film was a counterculture-themed movie and involved a great deal of LSD-like trips and fantasy sequences. It was released at the end of August 1967 at the height of the Summer of Love, and the film grossed $6 million, which is not too bad for a movie that only cost about 100000 to make. Yeah, that was good for that era. Absolutely. Nicholson also co-wrote the movie Head, which starred the Monkees, and he helped on arranging the movie's soundtrack. It was Fonda and Hopper's Easy Rider in 1969 that led Nicholson's first big acting break. Nicholson played a hard-drinking lawyer named George Hansen, and he actually received his first Oscar nomination for that film. It was 1970's Five Easy Pieces, though, that cemented Nicholson as an actor and garnered another Oscar nomination. After that, Nicholson would not find himself looking very hard for work. <laughs> and he is still acting today. So, an amazing. I don't think we talked about Nicholson much at all when we did the Terror. I think it was one of those things where it was like, where do you begin? Right, exactly. <laughs> so I just gave you the very briefest of descriptions of you know, Nicholson's beginning. <laughs> and that's about it. Because, yeah, I, I, we could go all day mm -hmm. talking about the films that he's been in and how uh, some of them have just been are kind of, kind of cornerstones of cinema. Mm -hmm. Now, the rest of the cast have a pretty small filmography. No one else really seemed to break out as well as Nicholson. A few folks I recognize from a couple of things. Uh, the poor couple under Johnny's disapproving eye, Nancy and Dave, was uh, Georgiana Carter. She appeared in the 1958 B-movie sci-fi flick, Night of the Blood Beast. And Robert Bean shows up in 1961's The Creature from the Haunted Sea, and he actually, even as recent as 2010, started Dino Croc versus Super Gator. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I mean, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's great That's that exactly he's still working. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but because they're mostly were just drama students and they didn't really. You know, like I said, break out after this film. That's really kind of all the trivia I have. Uh, I would love to know more. Unfortunately, um, 
Berman, the, the the director here, just passed away in 2012. I would have loved to have actually gotten a hold of him <laughs> and talked to him about talk this. Talked to him about it, exactly. Especially when I read that it was him that produced the 99 remake. I'm like, oh, really? He's still around? Go, 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 go. Oh, damn. No. <laughs> <laughs> missed him by just a few years. Him. Yeah. Well, I think we'll go ahead and get into the plot of The Wild Ride. Right, the film opens with a party at the beach, a bunch of high school. I, I, I wondered if they're high school or college age kids, but mm-hmm. I guess it probably would have been anywhere in between late high school to early college. And they are doing the typical, you know, they're all dancing to uh, a song that's obviously not the one we're hearing. <laughs> the one we're hearing, it's worth noting, is I think just strictly bongos and an, a really annoying flute. Mm-hmm. But that could be just throughout the rest of the movie and not in this particular scene. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That pretty much makes up the soundtrack. Well, Johnny, played by Jack Nicholson, shows up and everyone seems pretty happy to see him. Well, everyone except for maybe Barney. He struck me as a cult leader. He comes in, like, smiling and wearing a sweater. He reminded me a lot of my old pastor, actually. (laughs) And everybody wants to shake his hand, and everybody wants to, you know, it was just kind Mm -hmm. of this, I wrote down cult leader, because that was kind of what it made me think of. Well, as we, and as we find out, I think your description isn't too far off. (laughs) Now, to everyone, we see everyone kind of greet him, and he joins in with the dancing. We cut to what turns out to be uh, a few minutes before a little bit of a flashback, is Johnny is driving to the beach. He's apparently speeding along, and a motorcycle cop tries to pull him over. Well, Johnny plays with him a little, and the officer is forced off the road and into a tree. Uh, Johnny takes a brief moment to look back and dispassionately calls the officer chicken. So now we're back to, I guess, present time at the party, when another officer pulls up and and inspects Johnny's car, and he goes about finding out who it belongs to. The kids either ignore him or just taunt him. The officer finally gets the kids to show him some ideas and eventually finds Johnny. The cop questions Johnny about where and from what direction he was driving, to which, of course, Johnny lies. And, of course, uh, I like the cop, can you prove it? And all the kids are like, oh, yeah, he was definitely going north. Yeah, Yeah, north, north. (laughs) The officer takes him in for questioning. Most of the gang think Johnny is one swinging stud <laughs> at all of this. Uh, and I say most because Barney isn't too happy about the adoration that his girl has been showing Johnny. And I think that girl's name was Joyce, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's right, yeah, Joyce. Who through this whole thing seems to have a little bit of a crush on Johnny. Ooh, it's just a little. <laughs> Well, at the police station, we find out that Johnny has had plenty of run-ins with the police. Lovely place you got here. All right, knock it off. You know what this is? We gonna play games? I asked you a question. Okay, no, I don't. Then I'll tell you. This is your record. Did I make a record? You see how it goes, Johnny. Speeding, reckless driving... And then the chicken scene, and finally you run a policeman off the road. Well along, man. All right, that's enough. Officer Neely is in the hospital, more dead than alive. Nasty break. You think that's funny? Doesn't matter whether I think it's funny or not. It hasn't got anything to do with me. Johnny, we know you put him there. You can't pin it on me. No, we can't. But you're through breaking the law. I don't break the law. I make my own. Well, that's not good enough. Your luck's running out, Buster. We're going to stick with you 
and we'll get you. You, Sarge? You're a big man. We'll get you, kid. Even if we didn't, you'd get yourself. Now beat it. Sarge? Sarge, I want to tell you something. You're a very far-out stud. I don't break the law. I make my own. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Okay, to be fair, this is the 60s. This may be the first time that was ever said. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, Johnny has met up with the gang, and he's recounting his night with the police. <laughs> uh, this, I, this is, we just cruised right past one of the best lines in this, where he turns around and he looks at the cop as he's walking out the door, and he says, you know what? Sarge, you're a far-out stud. <laughs> and the, the policeman just gives him this look, and I don't know if it's meant to be a tough guy look or what. And the next thing is, he's out with his buddies, and he says, and I told him, you know what? You're a far-out stud. And it, it was weird. It was like they added this line that was just to transition. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. Joyce here is still fawning all over him and not being very subtle about it even with their supposed boyfriend standing right there. Well, we find out that Johnny is going to drive a, a legitimate race later that day. Uh, deciding to celebrate, everyone decides to go party at the beach. So Johnny heads off to score some beer, uh, and not before asking where someone named Dave's been hiding. Well, after Johnny leaves to find Dave and the booze, Barney finally confronts Joyce. She's his girl. But she assures him that Johnny has a girl of his own, some old broad. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Well, we meet Dave, who is working on a car, and Johnny asks where Dave's been hiding. What's passing? Nothing, just working on it. Why the fallout? Well, I don't know. You okay? Yeah, sure. You haven't been wheeling with us lately. Something bugging you? No, I'm okay, Johnny. Wild scene last night. Yeah. Man, my rod was really turned on. That cop was really sweating. The cop hurt bad? I don't know. But why? Like a race, man. He had room. And why the tumble? He chicken. That isn't my fault. What's happening with you, anyhow? Nothing. You sound pretty far out. You've always been with me before. I'm with you, Johnny. I don't want anything to go wrong with my number one boy. If you're in a blue, man, you got to turn this off. Well, Johnny tries to get Dave to come with him to the beach. Uh, Dave asks about Johnny's girl, Anne, but Johnny says that they're over. So I guess Anne is the old broad that Joyce was talking about. <laughs> Dave also says that he told his girl, Nancy, that he'd see her later. Well, Johnny does not like Nancy. After all I showed you with the chicks, man, when you pick one, you really pick one. You better watch out. You can catch cold around that broad. She's not cold. Got her nose up in the air like she smells something she doesn't like. No, she's not like that, Johnny. Already she's got you mixed. Who's mixed? Okay, then what's this you're giving me? You're mixed, all right. She won't fit. She'll fit. She turns everybody off. Get yourself a new chick. She'll fit, Johnny. Okay, let her, but if she doesn't, she's got to go. Johnny, later, make it at one. Yes, Jimmy. Well, Johnny grabs the booze and surprisingly pays for it. I really expected him to figure out a way to steal it, but no, he does pay for it. But I, I do love the fact that he gets it all in there, and uh, he asks how much. The guy's like, uh, 902. And the guy's like, hey, do you happen to have any ID? And Johnny's like, yeah. Can I see it? 
No. Well, it's $10 even then. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even catch that the first time, but the second time I, would, I laughed when I saw that because I think that might be the only time in this movie that you actually see somebody get the better of Johnny. Yeah, well, unless you count the fact that Johnny grabs the box but then actually grabs two bags of chips too. So oh, maybe, does? <laughs> yeah. Fair point. Well, Dave and Nancy are at Nancy's house uh, being all flirty and kissy face. What a bad thing to say to a guy. I don't care. You are. We'll have lunch on the patio. We'll spend the whole afternoon together. Just the two of us. Well, the gang's having a blowout. You know, Johnny's racing today. I thought we'd fall by. Can't we ever do anything without Johnny? Just once? Well, I said I'd be there. You always do what he says. Johnny's top man. Do you really believe that? Well, sure. I was nowhere before I met Johnny. He's big. He tuned me in. You didn't need any tuning in. You want to go, don't you? You'll see. He's big man. I love this whole this whole running around scene where I'm really not sure what's going on, but it kind of looks like Dave is chasing Nancy down to murder her. But <laughs> they're just they're just playing. But there it is this weird chase scene where you're kind of going. If this was in a different movie, this would be a completely different scene. It felt like one of those things where okay, it's fun for a little bit, but at this point, I feel like we've already reached the point where Dave's like getting annoyed with the game, <laughs> and, well, it, and Nancy can't take me, the hint. <laughs> it makes me wonder what my like my parents were around their age around this time. And it makes me wonder, is that what kids did? They just went in their backyard and they're like in their teens and they just chase each other around the backyard and then kiss. I yeah. guess that's what they did in the 60s. Okay. And they played with a stick and liked it. Yeah. <laughs> frolicking, frolicking. Yeah. <laughs> what in the world is going on here? Okay. So anyway, so Dave convinces Nancy to go to the party at the beach. On the way, Barney speeds up behind Dave and taunts him for going so slow. He coaxes him into a race and a game of chicken with a truck that's coming the other way. Dave wisely turns off the road first. Barney uh, gives him grief almost right away for that. He pulls back and, what the hell? <laughs> what's, what's the deal pull, you know, d- ditching so early? Yeah, why did you swerve around that truck? What's wrong with you? Yeah, what, what a fool. Dave. Yeah. Dumb butt. <laughs> Jeez, Dave, what are you running around trucks for? I'm sorry. I actually made the comment after the scene. You know, I, I thought, I, I'm so glad, like, playing chicken It doesn't seem to be a thing anymore. Yeah, no kidding. I can't, I, I can't imagine I why anybody ever thought this was a good idea. Right. It's just not a good idea. Yeah, he would have swerved. Um, okay. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing we're alive, Lydia. But this is what our parents did, you know? Honestly, seriously. <laughs> I mean, not to mention the frolicking. Good Lord, somebody could have been killed. (laughs) Well, at the beach, Barney tells Johnny about Dave chickening out on the road. Well, Johnny declares that this was the last straw. Nancy is a bad chick and has got to go. He he tells the gang that he'll take care of Dave. Yeah, Nancy just doesn't fit, man. (laughs) You sound just like him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm rolling my eyes a little bit every time you do that, but you're exactly, you're right on with the movie. That's, man, (laughs) (laughs) like, 
totally what they do, man. Well, Dave and Nancy show up. Uh, Johnny tells Dave that the chick doesn't fit and that she is out. Johnny teases Barney a little uh, later on during this this party. Uh, Barney tells him that if he wants to pick on someone, go pick on the chicken. Well, one of the other guys, I think Cliff, starts making the little clucky chicken noises at him. At, at, at Dave. I'm a big old truck coming at you. Honk, honk, honk. <laughs> <laughs> and this leads to a fist fight. And I have to say, a pretty good looking fist fight, too. And I mm-hmm. have to wonder, it's like, I don't think too many punches were actually pulled on this. I think these guys were probably kind of really going at it. Because if you think that these guys are, are not professional actors, they're, they're unless maybe uh, one of the high school classes is how to how to fake a punch, and it's a really good class. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the 60s. You know, they didn't have the safety rules that we have now. No, movies. that's exactly what I mean. So I have to think, it's like, okay, we, got, we need a fight. So the only way to really do it is if you guys beat each other up. <laughs> well, Dave starts to get the better of Cliff. So Cliff grabs a broken bottle and threatens to cut Dave. Well, this is when That's John. What I do. Yeah. I mean, anytime I'm in a fight, broken bottle. <laughs> Johnny jumps in and takes down Cliff. Dave and Nancy leave the party. We next find ourselves back at Nancy's, where they have a where Dave and Nancy have an, another little heart to heart. I like the. Uh, what are you thinking about, Johnny? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're sitting here with me and you're thinking of Johnny? Yeah, and I'm with when I'm with Johnny, I'm thinking of you. <laughs> you care more about Johnny than you do about me, and I had that in my notes. <laughs> but there it's I think this might be the appropriate moment to kind of pause and and it's not it's 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 in an era and it's completely innocent. But there is like so much of a I can't even think of the right phrasing for it. These two guys, Dave and Johnny, like they're just like stuck on each other. It's mm-hmm. just, it's very passionate. It's a very uh, passionate friendship. You're, you're saying there's a subtext, perhaps. You know, subtext if you rearrange the letters. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I mean, I don't think that it's an intentional subtext, but it definitely. I mean, it's it's probably a very good sign of how things have changed, where yeah. people can be much more passionate in their friendships than they're allowed to be now. Right. And I think we've had this discussion where things like this have come up in other films from this era and, and mm-hmm. before this era. And yes, looking at it with this 21st century, I you know, if this was movie was made today, they'd be like, oh, yeah, there there's like this little, you know gay undercurrent thing exactly it's like we can't just be normal humans anymore right (laughs) it's like oh gosh you can't be friends and really care about somebody or else it's sexual but in this case it's not i don't think it is no i don't think it is but it is interesting that at this point nancy does bring it up and say what the heck is with you guys you know because it is (laughs) i think a much closer friendship than even at that period of time was typically expected I think the friendship, the, the, what I, the impression I got is maybe this was sort of this thing where Johnny was a bit of an outsider. Or not Johnny, but Dave was a bit of an outsider. And for some reason, Johnny kind of saw something in him or took pity on him and pulled mm-hmm. him into the group. And so everything that Dave sort of has as far as his friends and popularity, he, ha- he, owed, on, yeah, he on owes Johnny. to Johnny. Yeah. And he mentions something, you know, to that effect when he says, you know, the chicks go hang all over you, but they're not into me. Right. You know, and, uh, and, and I kind of. Johnny's, I'll or, get you a chick tomorrow. Exa- <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's either that or they've been friends for so long that it's 
you know, predates Johnny's popularity. Oh, that very well could be, too. I didn't think about that. That's something where they grew up together back before there was all this, you know, gangs and rivalry and who's on top. Studs. It could have been just, yes, before <laughs> before anyone became studs. Yeah, it could have studs. just been kids that played together. Exactly. And, but know, whatever the case, it is obvious. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think that at this point, everything hinges on Johnny. Well, back at the beach, Johnny splits. Oh, after he leaves, Barney starts mouthing off. He thinks Johnny is getting soft. If anyone else had chickened like Dave, they'd be out. Well, the rest of the gang, though, they still stand behind Johnny. But you can start to see sort of the... um, Oh, if it it was a ship, you could see where mutiny was brewing. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You kind of get the impression, I don't know, I mean, I'm speculating here, but you almost get the impression that Barney was kind of top guy or, you know, second in command for a long time. But or feels that he should be, mm-hmm. and either Dave has elbowed in unintentionally, or yeah, that's where I I I go back to the um, where maybe they didn't grow up together, but maybe at some point just Johnny just saw something in Dave and pulled him in, and mm-hmm. now you know Dave's is like his favorite, and that Barney kind of resents it. Well, after Johnny leaves the beach, he goes to Dave's and finds out that Dave wants Nancy back, even though, you know, Johnny asks if he broke it off with her. And he says, yeah, but I can't go with you because I'm going to go see Nancy because I want her back. <laughs> they, they were broken up all of uh, 30 minutes. 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere between 30 seconds and 30 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you had to at least have time to get home. So from the time you left Nancy to the time he got home, that's how long they've been split up. It's been four minutes and 30 seconds. Yeah. I can't handle it. But this is a really important impression uh, or discussion, too, because we start seeing that it isn't just the fact that Dave really likes Nancy, but Dave's actually kind of starting to grow up, maybe ahead of everybody else, and he's yes. starting to wise up about his life. Look, man, she can't cut it. She doesn't dig our way. I'm not so sure I dig our way either, Johnny. Like, what's wrong with it? We're swinging, man. You've got to snap out of this. The first thing you know, you're going to be sitting on a sofa watching TV, and that's the end. You might as well be dead. Johnny, can you try to understand? Like when I chickened today, it wasn't her fault. What are you giving me? Well, it wasn't. I don't know what made me do it. At first, I couldn't believe it, and I was mad at myself. But when I turned that wheel, I dug it, Johnny. It made sense. It didn't make any sense, and you wouldn't have done it if that chick hadn't have been there. No, Johnny, like we're all the time doing things that, that don't make sense, like tearing things up. But with this chick, I feel there's something besides tearing things up. Something better. Boy, she has really got you mixed. From now on, you're going to do what I tell you to do. Johnny, you're top man with me, but I got to do this my way. Do it your way. You listen to me. From now on, you're going to do what I tell you. That chick doesn't even exist. And don't you forget it. Man, a chick has bugged Johnny just once too often. She ain't going to bother you anymore. You're exactly right that he's gotten much more mature and is looking at these things as we do now going, playing chicken is about the dumbest thing you can think of. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going, you know, why would I want to do that? I want to be around to spend my time with this girl. But I, and I love it. Like Johnny's so far back there. And I love the line that he says, you know, he's like, what do you, you know, you can't, you, you can't do that. You can't just cut out like that. You know, he says, the first thing you know, you'll be sitting on a sofa watching TV and you might as well be dead. <laughs> And I thought, you know, I actually, I had a profound moment with that line because I thought, wow, this is actually probably the one deep statement in this entire movie. He's like, it, and it was interesting, too, because this is 1960 and TVs aren't a big thing at this time. Mm. Uh, it's not like everybody has a TV in their house or if they are, it's probably within the 
the last couple of years. Right. So it's just it was just fascinating to me to look at. Okay, so here you have these beatniks, and the most fun that they have is playing chicken in cars, and they're looking at TV as being this thing that completely kills your life. Oh yeah. That, that's actually really insightful for this early on in the life of TV. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty deep. Yeah, very much. But you get the impression that Dave is sort of a. A, grew up in a very rural, rural, um, rural lifestyle. Yeah. It looks like he's working mm-hmm. on his car, and it almost looks like he's in front of a barn. So I bet you Dave doesn't even have a TV. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nancy, I think, probably has a TV. I think there's like a whole nother movie, a whole nother story. We could almost have a Romeo and Juliet thing between Dave and Nancy, you know, yes. right on the different side of the tracks and that exactly. sort of thing. Exactly. It feels very other side of the tracks. Well, we join the gang at the track, and they're getting tired of waiting for Johnny to show up. So Barney devises a trick to get them all in, uh, without pain, of course. <laughs> and we actually get to, to, to see his little trick. He uh, gets somebody's car horn to go off. I think he uses like a matchstick to jam the uh, the car horn. And then uh, the, the the cop that's watching the gate comes over to help. And that's when everyone runs in, th- it runs in through the gate. And then he tries to go in. When a guy tries to stop and he, he lies and says, ah, I'm driving. Yeah, I'm number five, Johnny Varen. <laughs> Yeah, this and this is probably the one really humorous part in the movie. Mm, yeah, a little bit. The, what a movie that has no humor. No, in yeah, relatively way. little uh, intentional humor. Uh, Very, yes, yeah. that's true. Well, Johnny finally shows up to the track, and he manages to get in despite the fact that someone else had already signed him in. And he gives Barney grief and the, well, the whole gang for not waiting for him, and he's really not happy with Barney taking lead on this. Johnny tells Barney to uh, put some money on the race, and he goes and gets $10 from some woman. Is this Ann? This is Ann. That's the only thing I can think of. He just shows up, and he's like, hey, give me a 10 spot. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I, I honestly, I when I first watched it, I thought it was his mother. Yeah, I mean, she definitely was older. I don't think she was that old, though. I agree, but you know, you mentioned that at the very beginning, Joyce says she that he has a girlfriend, and she's some old woman or old girl old, old chick broad. or something like that. Mm-hmm. old broad there you go and and i didn't understand who she was until in a little bit they very clearly state who she is did they i kept waiting i i must have missed it in my second watch i didn't i didn't catch it in the first watch and i must have missed it on the second watch too where they actually because that's the only time i mean we, we see her again but i thought that was pretty much her only line well and i picked up him saying something to her like oh i told you we're through Hmm. Um, and it was, I'm sure it was a very brief moment. I have to go back and watch it again to find out, okay. but I picked it up somehow. So that there might must have been, been something. Yeah. It may be, I was, had my head, my head down writing notes or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nancy happens to show up at the track. She's looking for Dave. Johnny tells them all to play it, play, tells the gang to play it cool. They're going to have some fun with poor Nancy. And then, uh, Johnny heads down to get ready for the race. And we get to see the race. This is another one of the things, you know, I think there was a race and then a movie broke out. <laughs> I was just really surprised how, uh, you know, much like the fight, the the lead up to and the actual race is very detailed. I mean, you got the, the announcing going on the whole time. Mm-hmm. They're talking, they're introducing the drivers and all the drivers have little backstories. I'm like. Okay, so they just decided to go to a race and film it. <laughs> uh, and honestly, there there are a few things about this movie that kind of made me feel like it really was supposed to be a movie about cars, mm-hmm. and then it kind of turned into a, a public service announcement. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all sure. it's missing is the 
D- Dave thinks it's cool to drive with Nancy and play chicken, but watch what right. happens when a truck comes along. You know? yeah, this is, <laughs> it's just this... missing that over, you know, that voiceover. Well, we do get to see most of the race there. Uh, it's a pretty good race. It's a nice uh, dirt track race, so it looks really cool. And it comes down to a neck-and-neck race between Johnny and another driver. Well, Johnny ends up giving the other guy the other guy's car a bump, uh, which spins him, the other car out of control, and Johnny wins the race. Uh, the owner of the car and the mechanic ain't too happy with what they what Johnny's done. In fact, even the announcer, well, that's one way to win a race. Yeah. <laughs> The owner of the car, he shows up to Johnny, and he's got the trophy in his hand. He looks at the trophy, says, I've been waiting a long time for this, and now I don't even want anything to do with it, and just unceremoniously hands Johnny the trophy. Mm-hmm. Tells him to get out and stay out. Well, we see a quick clip of uh, poor Dave phoning for Nancy at home. And, of course, no answer there. And then we get back to the track where a police officer pulls Johnny aside and lets him know that the cop that he ran that got ran off the road has died. Well, then Johnny meets up with the gang and collects the winnings from Barney. And with that money, he says they're going to go out on the town. And he tells another lie and says that he told Dave that if they didn't meet up at the track, they'd meet up at Chubby's, which is apparently like a, a restaurant and bar. He tells Nancy that. And, it, I, yeah, this whole time they've had Nancy sitting with them saying, oh, yeah, Dave's going to be right here. Dave's going to be right here. Yeah. And Nancy, I should mention, just looks so uncomfortable being there. She's in a nice dress and a pearl necklace sitting at a racetrack. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, when they get to uh, Chubby's, Barney holds back when everyone goes in, and he makes a phone call. He calls Dave, and he lets him know that Nancy is there with Johnny, and that he should get there and get there quick. And at this point, we have less than 15 minutes left of the film. So I think we're going to leave it there. All the pieces are kind of in place, and I don't want to really give away what happens. Although I will say, I'm not going to give away the ending, but I have to admit, I really didn't feel like the ending worked as well as maybe it was supposed to. Well, and I I think that's really what made me feel like the the whole PSA thing. Mm -hmm. If it had ended differently, you know, but it, it seemed so much like a... Young ladies, you might seem excited to go on a date, but be careful. You know, it, it, I mean, and obviously I'm changing the theme a little bit here, but, uh, you know, it just, it went from kind of having a very rocky storyline to all of a sudden being like, and the moral of the story is boom. Right. Oh, uh, you know, it was kind of. <laughs> It's a little weird, and you know, and they spend more time in the the driving scenes than in any other scene at all. Right. So you know, you have it. You have, for example, at the beginning, you know, he's driving along and he has the whole chicken scene with the the cop, the police on uh, the policeman on the motorcycle, and that whole scene. It was a little confusing to me because I actually thought it took place later in the evening until they went back to oh, and now we're at the party. Yeah, that was a but, very odd editing choice. It was. And they take a lot of time with pretty much anything that has to do with somebody driving takes a lot of time out of the movie. Mm-hmm. So it, it is. I think you're I think you're describing it accurately when you when you say they were having a race and a movie broke out. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like there's a lot going on with cars in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then they have like these little snippets of, you know, social interactions. But right. for the most part, it feels like they just want to show lots of, of video of people driving in cars. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, and everything else just seems sort of secondary, which may explain why they sort of rush certain moments. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't want to give everything away, but there, there's a moment where Dave gets the wrong impression about what he sees between Johnny and Nancy, but no one in their right mind would get that impression by seeing what's going yeah. on between Johnny and Nancy. <laughs> or have the reaction that he has. I exactly. I agree with you on that. You know, rather than kind of being logical about what's going on, there's just kind of this snap moment, and then everything turns back into a driving scene. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so I agree with you on that. I think, you know, I think, I think you're right. I think they were having a, a car movie and a plot broke out. Well, I have to admit, I watched this film for the first time before looking up any information on it. Mm-hmm. And I watched it and felt like, man, you know, this this feels like somebody's student project. Yes. So when I when I did, dialed it up and find out, oh, the director was a drama teacher and these were his students, I'm like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> well, and, and it's worth mentioning the acting feels a lot like a high school play. Um, it's very kind of jerky and it's kind of overdone uh and i mean uh, not smoothly done by jerky it, it feels like you know there are people standing up on a stage overacting a little bit to be there able to times, project their voice yeah, yeah. so it, so i think there's a lot about it that they're like oh we need to show you know dave and nancy being together but not making out or talking. I know. Let's have them run through the grass. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, it kind of was like, anybody think of an idea of what we can do in the scene? And somebody raised their hand and said, well, let's have them running. You know, mm-hmm. There's quite a bit of that, I think, in this movie. I'm trying to think if I have anything else to really say about it. It's one <laughs> of these films where you know I watched it and it's like, okay, yeah, I watched that one. Okay. <laughs> Check. so it's not I don't think there's any especially impressive directing there's not any especially impressing the lines aren't that great the acting isn't that great the scenes aren't that great the editing isn't that great Uh, it it feels like a 1950s public service announcement it Mm -hmm. feels like one of those school shows that they would have them watch so that they could have good hygiene you know, it made me think of the ones that we watched, you know, when we did the shorter videos, we did a whole bunch of them. And some of them were those, you know, hygiene, you know, how to eat a proper lunch kind of thing. And this is like how to know how to not hang out with beatniks. <laughs> I know what this felt like. Here's why you should be careful about hanging out with beatniks, you know. And that, that's, that's what makes me wonder what, what you're describing right there is, is with the language is how many, how much of this is really how they would talk or if this is like something that we would, it's what someone thinks the kids sound like. The weirder part to me. And I think I I meant to mention this a little earlier. I feel like Johnny's the only one that talks like that. Everyone else seems fairly moderate in their Mm. mans and likes. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. He probably lays it on a little thicker than everybody else. Very much so. I'm not going to say he's the only one, but he his is definitely a little bit heavier. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it, it, when you hear it from someone else, they're reacting to something that he's saying and like disagreeing with it, and so using the same word, kind of throwing the same words back at him. There are situations where it feels like he starts every sentence with like. <laughs> so. And there's definitely some very interesting terminology that he uses and everything, too. He, someone asks, hey, where's Anne? I put her down, man. Like, whoa. 
<laughs> we had to put my cat down and I yeah. cried for weeks. So yeah. that's pretty rough usage of a woman, if you ask me. Just, yeah. I'm tired of her, so I put her down. Yeah, well, after, after seeing so. what he did with the motorcycle cop, I mean, you, know, oh, you don't know you how go. to take that. <laughs> Murderer. <laughs> that may have made this movie a little more interesting, actually. Oh. <laughs> Not that I'm recommending people kill motorcycle policemen or no, 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 no. That's or not what I'm suggesting. Or, yeah. <laughs> or any of that. Be but like Dave. Yeah. Be like, yeah. This is why we should be more like Dave, Dave. boys and girls. Dave's going to be a contributing member of society. <laughs> well, Johnny is going to go <laughs> downhill. Yeah. Watch what happens when Johnny meets a new person. Right, oh, yeah. it's just, I can't, you know, see how Dave shakes his hand firmly, looks him in the yes, eye, and smiles. That's the it way to is, do it. It's, it's an hour long. <laughs> You're right. Yep. It's a PSA. It really is. It is an hour long PSA. <laughs> and remember, kids, playing chicken is dangerous. <laughs> ah, like the understatement of the year. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, shall we offal it? Yes, I think so. I think so. Uh, I can't give it a very high rating. I think this is a kind of a film that if you are a big Jack Nicholson fan and you're some sort of completist and you want to see some of his early work, absolutely, this is worth it. Absolutely, um, if that is your take on it. Or Robert Bean, you know, if you've already seen Runaway, Runaway, and you need to get all of them in there. Yeah, yeah. Is, uh, is one other film or something? Uh, do not watch Runaway, Runaway unless you are over 21. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I think there's there's not a whole lot to recommend yeah, this movie. I, I would give it as high as maybe one and a half or a two. I think I could be very generous and give it a one and a half. <laughs> yeah. It's really it, kind of where I'm falling in. I just, I, I wouldn't really recommend it to anybody except for this sort of possibly a slice of the time. If this really was what it was like at the time. And like yeah. I said, as, or it just as a very young and early Jack Nicholson. Well, and even then I think you could overlook the production values. You could overlook the acting and, if there was any kind of an entertainment quality to it, but there really isn't. It's, <laughs> yeah. It feels like a public service announcement to me, and and it's just kind of painful that way. Yes. So I think one and a half is, as I said, I can be very generous and offer it that. I, but my, I think my honest, my if I'm going to give you guys my honest rating, I'm going to go with a one. Okay. They no. did complete the movie. It does have an ending, so I have to give yes. it a one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you want a much, I think a much more enjoyable film, if you want to watch early Jack Nicholson, is either A, go back and watch The Terror, which I think we kind of enjoyed, mm-hmm. it, it, and then um, maybe go back and watch the his appearance in um, um, the plant movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm blanking on the name. I've got it right in front of me. What am I... <laughs> Oh, the little shop of horrors. There you oh, go. The plant movie. <laughs> the plant movie. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Which well, you know, I don't even think I've seen the one that's that old. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I've seen the 1961 of that. So I, I, you know, honestly, neither have I. I'm sure I've seen clips. I've never seen the whole thing all the way through. It's one of those things I've always meant to do, and I, I just I never have. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. I think mm-hmm. just. That. But yeah, the terror I remember us really enjoying. Uh, it had a lot more going for it. It had Boris Karloff going for it for one well, thing. So there you go. But anyway, yeah, I don't have anything else to say. I think this is another one of these things. If we keep talking, we're just going to repeat ourselves. It, so, Like the movie. <laughs> yeah, a little bit like the movie. Like a little bit, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to thank everyone for listening 
to us here at Orphan Entertainment. I hope you, if you went out and watched the film, I hope you enjoyed it or at least found some something fun in, in hearing us discuss it. Uh, I encourage you to send us any feedback to orphanentertainment at gmail.com or through the Facebook group. And I'd, we'd really love to hear from you. Absolutely. That is going to do it. Thank you very much. And thank you very much, Lydia. Uh, not the best of film, but as always, fun to talk about. Well, you know, you're my favorite far out stud, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's always a pleasure. I, I enjoy every one of these. All right. Well, thank you again, everybody. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.